Thank you for tuning in at Ravenna Assembly of God. We hope you enjoy this message and are blessed from it. If you want to tune in to more messages, log on to RavennaAG.com and search under the media tab. Thank you and God bless. Series called Questions Jesus Asked. Questions Jesus Asked. And, and we kind of looked at a couple questions that Jesus asked. He, he, he kind of gave these, these certain questions to the disciples. And we looked last week, we kind of unpacked a few of them. But what we discovered last week is whenever Jesus asked a question, it wasn't that he was ignorant. It's always there's something he's trying to draw out of someone. He's trying to help someone discover something or lead somebody in their faith. So we looked at the question last week. Whenever he asked the disciples, he asked them two questions in Matthew chapter 16. He asked them first, who... Who does the Son of Man, who does people say, who do they say the Son of Man is? Basically, what, is, what do the crowds say? They say, oh, you know, Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say John the Baptist. But then he pivots, we talked about this last week, he asked them directly, now, who do you say that I am? And we looked at that question last week. We discovered again that Questions, answering questions is some of the best ways that we learn. How many know that to be true? Whenever somebody asks you a, a, a tough, tough question without Googling it on your phone, um, you have a way to discover, to research, to figure out what is this answer. So again, in the spirit of school starting back and answering some questions, we're going to do another pop quiz. Are you ready for another one? Some of you guys are not here that last week and you're like, what is going on? You're going to be quizzed that that's what's going on. How many of you guys love the show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? I've watched that so, the show sometimes, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I have no idea this fourth grade geography question, or I have no idea this second grade measurements question. Like, this is kind of embarrassing. But hey, we're going to have a chance for you guys to answer some questions as well. Are you ready? The first question is a U.S. history question. How many of you guys like history? Barely anybody. Okay, we'll see what happens. In what city was the Declaration of Independence written? Where was it written? Boston, Philadelphia, New York City, Providence. Okay, a lot of here, a lot of Bs. And the answer is pretty good. Pretty good. Number two, world geography. Anybody like, like maps, studying the maps? Kind of, sort of. Okay, we'll see. Budapest is the capital of what European country? Russia, Hungary, Poland, or Germany? Heard some Bs, heard some Cs. And the answer is Hungary. Got it. You guys are feeling hungry right now, right? Ah, here we go. That was pretty bad. Number three is going to be grammar. How many of you guys like grammar growing up? There we go. How many adjectives are in the following sentence? Adjective. What is an adjective? You say, I'm not going to answer that question. The dog ran quickly after the red bouncing ball. How many adjectives are in that sentence? Ah, 
Everyone's over, all over the map. <laughs> One, two, three, or four. And the answer is two. Two. Okay. What is an adjective, you ask? Something that describes a noun. So it's describing the ball, this red and bouncing. Last one, it's a measurements question. So if you guys are in baking or like recipes, this is, this is for you. How many teaspoons are in five tablespoons? I'm not giving you a multiple choice this time. How many teaspoons are in five tablespoons? Hmm, I heard a correct answer. And the answer is 15. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Now I heard, wait a second. <laughs> so how many, how many teaspoons are in one tablespoon? Three. You got it. Hey, not too bad, not too bad. How many know that we're still learning? You guys learned something new today, didn't you? <laughs> questions, questions. Every single day, you can have the opportunity to learn something new. And the questions, again, that Jesus asked in the, in the Gospels, he was trying to draw something out of the people he was talking to. All right? We're going to look at a passage today that Jesus, he, he gives us some almost rhetorical questions in this passage. And he touches on a topic that all of us could be, we could use some wisdom on today. Let me ask you a question before we jump in. How many of you are anxious about something in your life right now? Yeah, most of us, yeah. Jesus has something to say about that. All right, turn your Bibles. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Matthew 6, 25. All right, and it starts, starts with this. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? First question. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Question number two. And number three, can you, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. The lilies, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You see the questions that Jesus asked in this passage? Most of them are actually rhetorical. But you, you look at them more in depth here. 
And you see, he, he is trying to draw something out here. First, remember, let's look a little more closer to the text here. Matthew's chapter 5, 6, and 7, it's the Sermon on the Mount. All right? It's a sermon that Jesus preached to, to, the, to the crowds. And he speaks on topics, everything from prayer to fasting to our posture of giving. Later in chapter 7, he talks about judging others. But then he talks about here, right, sandwiched in the middle, and he starts this passage, Therefore I tell you, do not worry. Don't worry about your life. What you're going to eat or drink or your body, what you're going to wear. But remember in Scripture, anytime you see the word therefore, you have to find out what it's there for. So you have to look back. You have to look at the context, what's happening around it. Look at the verse before in verse 24, where Jesus, he wraps up this little section on investing and, and what our treasure is in, where he says, no one can serve how many masters? Two. Two. You can't serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or love the other, be devoted to the other and despise the one. You cannot serve both God and money. All right, so Jesus, the passage before, he's talking about material things about investing in the kingdom. He says, don't invest in things that moth and rust can destroy or thieves can break in and steal. Invest in the kingdom of God. And in this context, it's in that context that Jesus starts out, do not worry. Well, Jesus, don't you understand that there are things that I'm worried about? Yes, but do not worry about your life. The first question, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? It's interesting, that word life right there. Is not life more than food? It's from the Greek word suke, which means your entire soul, every aspect of your life, mental, physical, emotional, every part of you. Life is more than what we worry about. How many say amen to that? And yet Jesus says, don't worry about the material things. Don't give in to anxiety where it takes over your life. Then look at it again in verse 26 where he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? So Jesus, in this passage, and he does this all throughout the Gospels, he'll say a truth, and then he'll illustrate it. He'll, he'll throw something out, and then he'll explain using images that they understood. So for the people in the Middle East, they understood the birds of the air. They don't have a worry. And yet, there are some, some days, I'm sure, that they had more than enough to eat, and they didn't find as many worms that day. But yet, they don't worry because they know Heavenly Father will feed me. You think about the birds of the air and all the freedom that they have, and Jesus pointing out the obvious, that God takes care of his creation. Are not you, are you not much more valuable than they? We know that of all the animals and all the created things on this planet, humanity is at the top. Why? Because we are made in the image of God. Yeah, 
from Genesis chapter 1. Again, it says that we are, we are made in the image of God. And then Jesus gets to the crux of it. Verse 27, again, he says, Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I would think most of us would think that it's the opposite. We start shaving off hours of our life by worrying, by having so much anxiety in our life. So much of what we worry takes so much out of us. And that's the question Jesus is pointing to. Does worrying help or does it hinder? Is worrying beneficial or detrimental? It's obvious. Is it good or is it bad? So what do we do whenever we worry? It's going to happen. How many of you know, though, that whenever worry hits, it can feel like an avalanche? It just starts crashing over you. And then all the what-ifs start piling on, piling on, piling on. What if? What if this happens? And that, that'll lead to this. What if I lose my job, but then I won't be able to pay the mortgage, and then I'll lose my house, and then I'll become this and this and this, and it just goes, it gets out of control. Worrying can get, become so detrimental, and yet with our world and what's going on in the pandemic, so much has been made to light of our mental stress. Anxiety has increased dramatically. We are all stressed out and worried. And yet Jesus makes it simple. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry. Do, do you see what's going on around us? Do, do you see what's happening around? And do you see the economy? Do you see the gas prices lately? I mean, come on. Don't worry? Yeah. How can I do that? A couple points here, church. First point. How do you not worry? How, does it, how do you not let it consume you? Number one. Be wise and take action. Be wise and take action. Is Jesus saying that because the bird doesn't sow or reap or store away in barns, that is he inadvertently saying that the farmer should not sow or reap or store away in barns? Should he just remain lazy and say, oh, God's going to provide and just kind of kick it back and not care, take care of his, his field? No, that's, that's missing the point. You need to work. You need to work for your basic needs. But we should not be consumed with worry and anxiety about tomorrow, about the certain needs. Friend, there is a freedom that comes whenever we give to God. We say, God, give us today our daily bread. Give us this day. But we need to be wise. That's why it's filled all throughout the scriptures that we need to be wise. We need to take action. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 12, it says, If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. And then it says in the book of Colossians, we know this verse, 323, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working to the Lord. You think, well, what's the balance here between you know faith and actually taking action? How do I know what's what's my part and what, how do I know what's what's God's part? Let me tell you a quick story. Um, for me, whenever I started Bible college, I knew that I needed some extra cash, but I didn't know if I really needed it. You know what I'm talking about? Like 
you know, I, I got my books and my, my room and lodge and everything's taken care of, but I'm broke. So should I get a, a night job? I was kind of stirring around with this. And I wasn't really sure. Um, and yet God had something specific for me to do. But um, how many know you have, to, you have to take a step whenever God's asking you to move out, to move forward? So the simple step was, well, I guess I'll apply somewhere. So sent an application, sent a resume in, and lo and behold, I got a custodial job, working night shift after my classes, and it was like 3 p.m. to 8.30 p.m., and it was not much, and it wasn't much money, but it was enough to meet some basic needs. But again, if you don't take action, God's sometimes saying, I'm, I'm waiting for you, but you got to take a step. I'm, I'm waiting to give you something to, to meet your need, but I, I want you to participate in what I'm doing. Be wise. Take action. How many know that there are missed opportunities because of our inaction? True. The, the opportunity that I got, just a simple night shift job, was custodial work. And then from that, I met Lydia. And from that, I had some extra cash. And all my cash went to dates and gifts and things. And then I was broke again. But hey, it was fun. Because I asked her, so I asked her a pretty obvious question. So would you go out with me if I wasn't working a job? No. I wouldn't go out with you if you weren't working a job. Okay, thanks, Lord. I didn't need a... Maybe I needed the cash, but I wanted to move forward. We need to take action, church. We need to be wise. When God is asking us, what are you worrying about? He's saying, well, don't worry. Okay. Well, whatever is on our heart, are we, have we made the first step? Have we applied for the job? Have we networked? Have we sent out resumes? Have we got our name out there? No, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just waiting for God to provide. Okay? God's asking you to take a step. Be wise. Whenever we're worrying so much, ask yourself, have I taken a step? That leads us to the next point, church. And that, that is this, the presence of worry is inevitable. But the prison of worry is optional. The presence of worry is inevitable. It's going to happen. Things are going to happen. We're going to get worried about. But the prison of worry, that's optional. Okay? Every single one of us will encounter moments, I'm going to get stressed out. I'm going to get worried. I'm going to get anxious. And yet, whenever we lead it to go so far that all the what-ifs kind of crash over us, then it becomes prison in our mind. Whenever we start to worry, whenever we start to stress out, think to yourself again, have I taken the step that I need to take? And then whenever it starts to, to really just overwhelm us, start to pray. Start to give it to God. But whenever we're, we're stuck here and we're just freaking out, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen next. What's the future going to like? What are my kids going to do? What are my retirements going to What's going to happen? And we haven't slowed down. We haven't looked around. We haven't taken a step. And we allowed it to imprison us. And that's where the enemy wants us to be. Because 
they're ineffective. The presence of worry, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. But the prison, it's optional. What do we do whenever we worry? Point number three, you keep a godly perspective. Keep a godly perspective and pray. Okay, remember back to the passage. Jesus is asking these questions, and they're rhetorical. Look at the birds of the air. Do they sow or reap, or do they store away in barns? Or the lilies of the field, or the the grass, do do they toil and spin? No. But yet God provides for them. And he sums all of this up in the very end of the passage in Matthew chapter 6, where he says, seek first whose kingdom? His kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have enough worry of its own. Friend, the crux is this, is that material things, they pass away. Material things, they go away. They're given away. Um, last, uh, last October, my, my grandmother passed away my, on my dad's side. And uh, she had, it's just kind of, it's just humorous in the way that she had everything planned out that um, whenever she passed away, all the things in the house, they would, they would this is kind of silly, but um, my dad is the youngest of seven, and all between all the siblings, they had a mock auction on what would, who would get what thing and how would it get divvied up. And instead of having bickering and fighting, no, I want this thing or that thing, there was an auction. Hey, I bid you this. And it was, it was strange, but she had it all figured out that, hey, I don't, I don't want any fighting whenever I'm gone. You, just, you guys figure this out. All our material things, friend, whether Jesus has not called us home yet, um, they're going to be given to someone else. So what, what is this passage talking about? Don't fret about the material things. We need things to take, be taken care of, absolutely, food, water. We need shelter. We need these things to survive and to thrive in our society, yes. But invest first in the kingdom of God, where moth and rust, they don't destroy, or thieves don't break in and steal. That's what Jesus is talking about. Keep a godly perspective. Whenever you're worrying, am I worrying about things that will one day pass away? Am am, am I fretting about so much that that one day uh, these things are are not going to be, it's going to be moot all at the end? You say, well, Pastor Joe, don't don't I need a house and don't I need this? Sure, of course, absolutely. But keep a godly perspective. Keep your priorities in line to say, you know what, am I focused on what God wants me to do? Has my, has my worry taken over me? Has, has worry and anxiety, has it made a prison in my mind? Keep a godly perspective. And whenever you've kept all those things together and your worry has still overtaken you, pray. Set things aside. Go to your knees. If you can't go to your knees, you know, have a godly posture to say, God, I give it to you. I give it to you. This is the hard part, church. Whenever we get to the point we know we're supposed to do what we're supposed to do, whenever we've done all our due diligence, I'm still worried, God. 
This is what's happening in front of me. I'm still, I'm still concerned. He said, okay, now, you've done your part. Now let me take care of you. And let me show you what this looks like. Uh, I'm trying to get a volunteer. Audrey, can you help me real quick? I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy. All right, come on up here. If you want to just stand right here. This is what this looks like, okay? All right. Go ahead, and I want you to start tossing me some of these balls, just kind of little soft toss. So just one. All right, first worry. The economy, Lord. I don't know how, how... I don't know what my job's going to look like. I don't know what's going on. So then you start hanging on to it, and you're not giving it to God. Okay, I'm just going to hang on to this, and then, then I have my second worry. Then I have, you know, what are my kids going to be doing? What's going to happen to them? What, what's their future going to look like? I don't know. But now I'm going to look at my third one. Now it's going to be my health. I'm not sure what's going on. And these are all valid concerns. Sure, church. But then we start keep, we stick, we keep going, and then the balls keep coming, and things just kind of get crazy. You can keep going there. And then we think, well, what's, what's the future going to look like? How is this going to happen? I don't know what's going to, I mean, this is getting crazy. And we say, you know, God, there's too much. But then we keep going, because now, instead of giving it to God, we've made it a prison, and our worries have overwhelmed us. But then we keep going, and we keep going. We say, you know what, God? I, I, I just, I, I know you have things for me. I know, I understand that you have a, a life plan for me. I know you have good things in, in store for me. But before you throw the next one, look at my posture. Can I receive anything from God right now? Go ahead and try to throw another one. So I'm, I'm trying to catch the things that God has for me now. Can I do it? Maybe I'm maybe kind of, throw a, a small one there. I'm going to kind of, God, I'm going to hold on to these certain things. I'm, I know what's going on, but I'm going to try to catch. It ain't possible. Thank you, Audrey, so much. But here's, here's what it looks like, church. We're holding on to all these anxieties, all these worries. They're valid. Absolutely. But what should our posture be whenever we, we give it to God? Have hands open. These are all valid worries. They're not, we're not being foolish and we're not ignoring them. We're not in denial. Whenever we want to start receiving from God and living a life that Paul talks about, remember Philippians chapter 4? Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That's the first thing. But we get to the point where we're stuck like this and we're consumed with worry. What do we need to do next? God, you know what? I, I know I've done my due diligence. I trust you. I trust you with certain things. And I start letting go and I start giving it back to God, what I can't control. God, I've done all I can do. I'm going to give it to you. And some of us get to that point where we're ready to receive we're still holding on to certain things. We're saying, God, I, I want to receive. And he's saying, I want to give you something big. And yet you're not ready for it because worry has consumed you. Whenever Jesus is saying, don't worry about your life, all the material things, he's not saying, be in denial. Oh, you're not supposed to worry about, your, you're not supposed to be concerned about the economy or what your job's going on. No. 
have a perspective, but pray and say, God, I, I give it to you. And whenever you start doing that, church, then you will have the promise of what Paul talks about. Therefore, in everything, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with thanksgiving, prayer petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. God, I give it to you. And then, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And whenever you've given it to him, you experience that peace. God, I've given it to you. I've done all I, I, can, I know to do. Now, I, now I'm ready. I'm ready to receive. I'm ready to hear from you. But whenever we're holding on to so much church, we're not ready to receive. Present your requests to God. Do you really want the worry back? Sometimes for some of us, it's, it's a sign of control. We get kind of control happy. We're, no, no, no. This is, God, you're, you're, not, uh, you're obviously not doing it, so I'm going to have this back. I'm, gonna, I'm the only one that can do this, Lord. And I'm, I'm start to, to realize that I am the only one that can fix this because obviously you have taken a vacation. I don't know where you are. I don't know what's going on. And we need to breathe and trust him. To trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on what you know. How many know, church, that he's in no hurry because he sees eternity? He sees the whole picture. He's not taking a vacation. He's not falling asleep at the wheel. He sees everything. And whenever you cry out to him, he will come through in the, at the right time, at the right place. Whenever he's trying to build something inside of you. But it's time for us to let go of the worry. Say, God, I realize some things are out of my control. I'm going to do my due diligence, but I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to let worry consume my life. I'm not going to have a moment where I have to control. I'm going to give it to you. If we don't, if you don't give it over, the control starts to seep in and we start to, to move away from God. God, you haven't come through. I don't know what's going on. I don't, I don't understand your timing. And sometimes, church, the only explanation we will receive is whenever we're with him in eternity. But whenever we look at it, we remember that verse from Roman 8, Romans 8, 28. You guys remember the verse? God, all things will come together for those that do his good. So it's a matter of trusting in him, giving to God our worry, our anxiety, our stress, and then we worship him. That's what that final verse says on your page. Go ahead and put it up there, Heidi. 1 Peter 5, 7, that we cast our cares upon him. That's what that looks like. It's not that we're in denial. It's not that we're not... Being wise, we're taking action, we're giving it to him. We cast our cares. Other versions say we cast our anxiety on him because he cares for us. The casting is our responsibility, though. Some of us, we're like this, we're holding on, and we're still praying. We're doing what we have to do, 
But God's saying, I need you to cast your cares upon me. To give it to me. Whenever you do that, then you're ready to receive what I have. The New Living Translation says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Words. Give all your worries, your anxiety to him. That's it, friend. God is able, he is willing, and he's ready to come through for you. For us, though, it's time to lay down our worry and say, God, I'm done. I'm done letting it consume me. I'm done letting it consume my heart and my life and letting it be my, my, my stress overload, just kind of overloading everything. But what if's going to happen? And you know what? I, I pause everything and I pray and I say, God, I give it to you. What is on our heart today, church? Would you go ahead and look at this video right quick as we declare and look at that verse? Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, present your requests to God. Go ahead and check out this video. Apostle Paul writes, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The person who is anxious and concerned about everything they face is basing their success and failure on how they perform. Instead, the Christian leaves all their cares at the feet of Jesus. They bring all their prayers before Almighty God and they leave them there. They are thankful to God because God has proved himself faithful. And they have faith in him, knowing he will not leave them alone in the midst of their trial. Paul continues by saying, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God fills the believer with peace, even in the midst of their storm. We cannot make our own minds superior to the problems we face. Our own thinking will never overcome the world. Only Christ has done this. It takes the mind to be in full agreement with faith in the Lordship of Jesus Christ in order for there to be peace in the heart of the believer. And our minds will remain at peace as our faith remains in the Lord Jesus Christ. God's peace must be allowed to enter and settle our minds. And that can only remain as we see the Lord as the greatest power that exists in the whole universe. The only way for Christians to remain at peace while living in a world that is opposed to God and His commands is to allow our Heavenly Father to guard our hearts and minds. And the way that He does this is through Christ Jesus. God alone can give us peace. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes real quick, church. This is where it's at, church, where a lot of us may have come through these doors 
with something heavy on our hearts. And again, it's not, the command is not to deny that the worries exist or that the concerns exist. No. The command is to give it to him, to cast our cares on him, to do what we're supposed to do, to be wise, to take action, to keep a godly perspective and pray, but then release the worry to God and then worship. Say, God, I give it to you, and now I give myself to you. I, I give my heart to you because you are the only one that can change an impossible situation and turn it upside down. You are the only one that where there seems to be no other way, there is a way through you. It's only through you, Lord Jesus, that whenever I feel like I am at the edge, the end of my rope and I have nothing left, you come through. But you have to cast your cares upon the Lord. Church, he cares for you. He loves you. He knows exactly what's going on in your heart. And he's saying, believer, it's time to cast. Cast it upon me. It's time to worship. It's time to trust in me again. What do you need to release to God again? Again, we're all worried. We all have concerns. When that washes over us, ask yourself, have I done everything I need to? If not, take action. But if so, it's time to pray. It's time to allow God's peace to wash over our hearts whenever we have given our request to him. Whenever we're thankful and say, God, I know you see everything, but Lord, come to me right now and make a way where there there's, seems to be no other way. I give my anxiety, I give my worry to you. Let me experience that peace again that surpasses all understanding. I can't describe it. I can't comprehend it, but I know whenever it comes, I experience your presence in such a mighty way. That peace is what I need again. So church, this morning, the question is this. Is there something on my heart that I need to cast over to him today? Is there something in my life that I have let worry consume me over and I need to give it over to him? Is there something that I need to give over to God today? And again, church, we have command to say, you know what? I know who my God is, that he's faithful, that he's true, that nothing is impossible through him. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and I'm going to go ahead and invite you to come to the altar here or stay in your seats, and I'm going to ask you guys to worship with us. We have plenty of time, and I want you guys to let go, to release your worry to him. 
to release the anxiety, say, God, I give it to you. I give it to you. I can't do it anymore. I give it to you. Lord, today I pray that your people would have victory in their hearts today. Your people, Lord, would know what it means to live in peace once again. Some of us, we haven't felt like we've experienced it in so long. God, help us to experience it once again. Lord, today I pray your people would cast their anxieties, their worries, their cares upon you and you care for us. God, we can't do it anymore. We give it to you. And Lord, today if there may be someone in this house, Lord, that does not know you, Lord, I pray they would reach out to you what we talked about last week, that they would, they would confess with their mouth that you are Lord and believe in their heart that you have risen from the dead. Lord, today, would you change hearts, transform hearts. Those that have been consumed with worry, let it now be transformed and now have you a heart of peace that we can walk confidently what you're asking us to do. God, we give it to you this morning. We give it to you this morning. We thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Would you stand your feet this morning as we sing this last song? As we sing, oh, come to the altar. I invite you this morning. If you have something heavy in your heart, come to the altar. Give it to him. Don't walk out of these doors without saying, God, I, I release it to you. I, I, I cast it down. I give it to you. Let's worship this morning. Let's give him our cares, our worries. Say, God, you are in control. I trust in you. Let's worship him this morning.